0: This podcast is brought to you by JBL. Employing the best methods and tools, audio technology is at the core of everything JBL creates. Never straying from a ground-up approach to everything they build, JBL has produced a prolific list of audio achievements, groundbreaking technologies, and revolutionary advances in the art and science of professional audio. JBL, passion for sound and those who create it. Learn more at JBL.com. Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Mm. Enjoy. Hello. Hey, Emily's Jeff.
1: Hey, Jeff. What's happening? Well, you
0: know, I'm sitting here watching my voice find its way into this virtual session, so. It's, it's just like magic every time. <laughs> yes, truly. Welcome to Discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield. And for this episode, we have Emily Wells discussing Louis Ballou's 1985 release, Romantic Times. Lips, from the tales, and perfume. Thanks for the time. This is a um, a fun record to uh, to check out. So, I mean, you sent me this Louis um, Ballou record called "Romantic Times" from nineteen eighty five, and I'll admit I'd, I had not checked this record out. Um, it sounds like there's a an interesting story, so I'd love you to tell the story and and you know why why you chose this record to chat about.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well. Okay. It was. A- the task to choose a record was' it's like so vast that I had to create some parameters for my, <laughs> for myself um, and one of those parameters was it had to be something i I bought on vinyl this year, which wasn't a lot, frankly because I didn't do a lot of um you know record shopping unfortunately and um the other. I mean, I think I just was so drawn to it because it kind of it's like a state of mind, you know. It's like not even a mood. It's like it's <laughs> when the when the vinyl arrived. I think we just my my girlfriend and I just listened to it through like three times, and I flipped it again, and she's like, "You have to choose something else," <laughs> you know. Like, um, but um, yeah. The story, you know, there are scant details on this man, but um, it's funny. I sort of had my own imagination about who he was or, or, you know, I thought he was, like, a Frenchman and, like, queer and, like, coming from a certain kind of, like, 80s scene, just from, like, the record cover and the way he sounded, essentially. And then um, I looked him up, and it turned out that... He was completely obscure, kind of vanished after making these two records. And someone found uh, one one of his old vinyls in a flea market in Edmonton in Canada, where he's from. And um, it kind of caught fire a bit and Light in the Attic reissued this and another one of his records, I think in 2014. So um, that's sort of how it found the light of day again. And there are so few things to really learn about him that his Wikipedia page actually describes that he lived in a house with his girlfriend and they only had white furniture. Like, that is a a detail that, you know, one of the few details about him that's known. And, um, yeah, he also recorded under the name um, Randy Buck, I think, or Randy Duke, and... Um, Those recordings are a lot less dreamy and milky um, and a little more rough in the sense of, you can hear the age in his voice, you can kind of, there's like more sorrow and less bravado in the way he's approaching the lyrics. And and it's more like just guitar and, and vocals, but I've only been able to find a couple of those songs.
0: Yeah, it's such a. I mean, let, let's start with with the cover of this record. I mean, it literally looks like you're. When I saw the cover, I was like, "Oh, this is a, this is definitely a smooth jazz record." Like he's sitting, <laughs> he's like dressed all kind of like '80s, styley, like player with uh, mm-hmm. like a sports car in the background. Um it's a black and white cover and it's called Romantic Times and it's got like this, you know, his name written in script and, and uh, like his signature. And I mean, the mm-hmm. whole thing is just, you know, you start there and then you put this record on. And because I expected it to be sort of like a slick 80s. Smooth, like saxophone
1: lady. Yeah, kind of
0: kind of like a like, uh, you know, Earl Klug record or something, you know, and it is so Murky and time warpy, but there are elements of this that are really familiar. you know the first thing I thought of was like kind of s- sounds like something Jeff Buckley listened to um, mm. you know mm-hmm. there's there's uh, there's something about the vibrato in his voice and um you know, even some of the melodic ideas and the hints, it just feels like it's kind of in the breeze and you kind of get a little wisp of of something that Jeff Buckley would do, which I thought was really interesting because this guy's pretty obscure. And yeah. it also feels like a very homemade record and a very quiet, introspective record. Um, but I would also kind of put it in the same category as almost like a Gary Wilson record record. Um, you know, and it's just it's it's really weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess it is weird. Um, I I you know who else it drew to mind was Perfume Genius.
0: Oh, interesting. There, yeah.
1: You know something about again that v- vibrato that he just lets go and doesn't hold back. At all, almost, almost like he's controlling an ostinato or some kind of like tremolo on a, <laughs> you know, synth or something, and everything else is so synth-y. um, You know, I kind of got in. I've been the, the way I found it initially. Of, I've, I've been kind of playing around with these like rudimentary drum machines for this new album that I'm working on, and this is all that you know. So I was really interested in how he. It kind of came to me through, you know, other, recommended through other things that um, had that going on. And everything else is just so silky and murky, I guess, is another way, way to put it. But then there's these kind of dry drum machine sounds that come through that, um, you know, just kind of pull you along. They, they don't function as, um, you know, a beat, so to speak. Uh.
0: Do you hear it showing up in, in your records and your work? I mean, you, you mentioned the drum machines and, and some, but um, are there other things that you, you feel like where it's seeped into your work?
1: You know, I, I think the vocals, there are some moments when I feel myself letting go, letting vibra- vibrato go a little bit and leaning into that. Um, and... Um, yeah, I, 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 don't know how hard I'm going to go with these, um, old drum machine sounds, but, um, it's a fun place to start, um, to just kind of build out your skeleton. Um, but, and there's a lot of sense too, you know, I, so, so yeah, he's, he's definitely hanging out with me in the studio right now.
0: Nice. How about, um, some of your favorite, favorite tracks that we could kind of, uh, talk about
1: sure well my absolute favorite that i could just like listen to on repeat is it's a new day Stop now. The, the track that precedes "It's a New Day," um, they're very similar. <laughs> you'll you'll find if you listen to the record um, that they're all very similar, um, but they have these kind of ascending melodies that you, just keep you reaching. Um, so I think those are yeah, those are my two favorites. But again, it's it's a state of mind. The whole record. It's one of those records you can put on and just fall back into it and um, just stay in a place you know
0: yeah it feels Im- it, it really um, I know that the word immersive is like this buzzword today but in a in a you know immersive technologies and immersive audio and all this stuff <laughs> right. but this record does feel like I it feels like you're sort of falling into a cloud um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a it's foggy and and sort of a little disorienting but it's a pleasant place to be hanging out. I like using that as a, as a descriptive for this record because it does, it feels enveloping and it feels safe, but it's also like not clear. And some of the times that 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 lack of clarity made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, especially it feels like earlier in the early part of the record, it's just Mm -hmm. especially if you've been listening to other things and you put this on I was like I can't I you know as somebody who mixes records you know I was like I want some focus (laughs) like (laughs) you know like how how, how, Uh um and uh (laughs) so that's that was my initial reaction but you know after kind of texting back and forth with you about it a little bit I I was like it's so interesting to get someone else's perspective on like well, why do they like it? You know, and you talked about the mm-hmm. melodies and the synth and it was like, Oh yeah, cool. You know, I mean and there's so many examples of, of cool records that are that are not captured necessarily in, in the in in the way that maybe we expect them to be today, but they still sure. have so much merit in terms of like the ideas and the seeds and um and you know, and it and it took on a life of its own. This thing, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well and I think uh, capturing his emotional state at that moment I mean that's the thing that comes through clear as a day to me is this kind of longing um, and and especially listening to these later recordings knowing all of that was there but he was able to sort of gloss over it through all this murky um, you know sense and and bravado and um, yeah I don't know I when you first texted me, I was like, "hmm, I can't tell if he's like, this is a painful <laughs> experience for him. So um yeah, I can imagine, I mean, you know, if you're coming at it from a perspective of how well it was recorded, it's not um, the tops, so to speak, but it did something he captured something there yeah, but I think I think can be very elusive to capture in in a studio setting. so
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting exercise for me. Um, you know, doing this podcast and and having people send such a a vast array of things to listen to, and some of them, of course, I've I've heard, and and some of them are my favorite records, and then there's things like this where I haven't heard it, and and uh, again, it's like I might have just if I came across it in a record bin at a record store, threw it on, I probably you know I might have passed it by, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so because this is something that you wanted to talk about, I I really, I gave it, I gave it my full attention and multiple, mm. multiple listens. And I think that that's a good, it's a good lesson, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, that is um, a fascinating and important exercise, I think, for us all in the sense of, yeah, expansion and keeping our attention spans, uh, alive. And also as makers of music, that's what we ask of our listeners. That's what we hope for, you know? Um, so I'm glad that it grew on you. My, the other contender was probably the exact opposite, which is the, um, the PJ Harvey to, to bring you my love demos, uh, album that she released this year, <laughs> this year I was really like oh I wanted to talk about that a lot as well but I thought the thing that put this one over for me is kind of like you're saying most people probably haven't heard it so um, this is a chance for maybe to turn a few people onto it that are want to fall back into that cloud
0: It's just I- just back to our other point is like if you're going to make music and and work with other people I think the most valuable tool you can have is you know whether you're a a session drummer or you're um, a producer or somebody that's playing in a band um, is is having a reference library in your head and if you the more listening you do um, the better and deeper your conversations, and the quicker you can get to it, so that if mm-hmm. you and I walked into a room together and you were like, "Oh, you remember? You know that? You know that Louis Ballou record?" I'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," and I can take my impressions of that, and we could we could work working going on down the same path because we have the same reference. and And I think that that's it's one of the most valuable tools in music making. I
1: so agree. I have been. Um, in the, just the last few days putting together um, a playlist for Ian Chang who's gonna grace my next record with some some drums for this very reason and it's not that I want the album to sound like these songs but there are these gestures inside of them or what does what does this element do to pull you or to pull the song in the place we want to take the song you know what what function does it does it bring to the form like that kind of thing so um so i've i've been so thinking about this and it's fun to you know i don't talk to anyone except for my girlfriend anymore so it's (laughs) it's fun to have have a conversation about it but um and i and you know then too you know he noticed certain things that i hadn't even consciously been doing certain ways of playing or a collection of um that I had been kind of amassing in this playlist. So, yeah, um, I think I agree. It's really important um, for process. And even for me, listening to it now, I listened to it this morning on my run, I thought, wow, now I'm hearing it through his ears instead of you know just making it. So, yeah. It's right, really- and
0: it adds this, it adds you know, a dimension to the music when you um, take your, you know, your trusted peers' perspectives and you try to see things through their lenses, it ends up enhancing your listening experience and your knowledge. As you build your music community, you know, your, your people that share your, um, you know, like you and Aaron or, you know, people that I work with frequently, it's like you share a reference library and a knowledge base and it's easy.
1: And, and in mixing, too. You know, that was a, a, the last record that I made. Um, the Chris, Christopher Botta, the person that I mixed the record with, we would, you know, sit and listen to songs and so recontextualize. You think you know how something is mixed based on your emotional or, you know, impressionistic experience of a recording. And then you sit down in front of studio monitors and you hear something completely different than what you thought you know um and so it's yeah it continues through the whole process i think um you know what do you want in your mind versus what do you actually want you know how do you actually technically achieve that through a mix so to speak so
0: all right emily well thanks all right Thanks for listening. Discussion is created by Tapeop, the creative music recording magazine. Free subscriptions are available at tapeop.com, along with our regular podcast and online content.